Um, I think it's important for uh, the early team to be pretty involved on the hiring side um, and to be careful and, and sort of craft that team. Um, I also think uh, setting values early on and using that as part of the criteria for how they don't necessarily have to doesn't have to be a formal process, but being intentional about it is important to um, then be able to select for the, those values. And if you don't do that, I think one of the things that can come through is um, sort of you end up with these accidental values, things that uh, the company is sort of um, either either intrinsic to the people at the company or the company's accidentally selecting for in its existing um, hires. And so I think that's something that's really worth being intentional about. Um, and crafting that early team is, is unbelievably important. Welcome to the Undefeated Underdogs podcast, where I unpack and narrate stories of ambitious people who turn obstacles into opportunities. My goal for this podcast is to create a platform to narrate underdog stories and maybe play a small, teeny tiny role in inspiring you. I intend to highlight the underdog mentality and make authentic conversations with people who play the long game, take action with the chip on their shoulder, and convert obstacles into opportunities. Buckle up, as I'll be bringing some authentic founders, VCs, community builders, and content creators who got underestimated their whole lives, and yet they beat all the odds to become insanely successful. Now, today I want to tell you a little bit about our awesome sponsor, Acquire.com. Selling a business is as tough as building a business. As someone who went through this process once, selling my own startup, I know the pain it takes to get to the end zone. This is where our sponsor shines. Imagine this, you're a founder who's built a solid SaaS product, acquired customers, and generating consistent monthly revenue. The problem is, you're not growing for, for whatever reason, lack of focus, lack of skill, or just plain lack of interest, and you feel stuck. What should you do? The story I'd like to hear is, you buckle down, somehow reignited the fire, get past yourself and the cliches and start working on your business rather than just in the business. You start building an audience, move out of your comfort zone to do sales and marketing and in six months you triple your revenue. The reality isn't as simple. Situations may be different from every founder facing these crossroads, but too many times the story ends up being one of inaction and stagnation until the become business the business becomes less valuable or worse worthless if you find yourself here or your story is likely headed down a similar road i offer you a third option consider selling your business on acquire.com capitalizing on the value of your time is a smart move acquire.com is free to list and they've helped hundreds of founders already Go to try.acquire.com slash Sharath and see for yourself if this is the right option for you. Now, let's get into today's episode. All right. So uh, folks who are listening, appreciate you for joining. So far, I've been invited uh, like so many leaders, product leaders, uh, marketing leaders, founders, uh, bootstrappers, VCs. I can go on and on, but I've never done this before where I invited uh, a leader in engineering in uh, something that we want to, it's very essential for any startup to, you know, focus on. It's one of the essential key pillars. And my next guest is a master at it. Like she built scaled engineering teams at, at scale. You know, she worked at companies like Superhuman. Her first job is at Apple, which is amazing. She, I can go on and on about her. But without further ado, I, I would love to welcome Imwe Reynolds. Welcome to the show. How are you, Imwe? How is your day going? My day is going uh, very well. Thanks. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Like I said, I think uh, I've talked to many people on both sales, marketing, you know, bootstrapping side, VC side, and kind of like never dived into this topic of, you know, where should engineering start, you know? It's generally founders tend to be the engineers. They develop the product, right? Or if if I'm founders like me, outsource the product or use no code tools and like something, they'll make it happen. So I think the first question I have for you is what is like, where do founders, you know, 
in in what phase do you think an engineering team should be established like at hmm. what phase there is early stage startup to like you know fast growing pace and all what not so in your opinion in your experience where should founders you know should take a decision about like building an engineering team mm-hmm. um i think it varies a little bit depending on the nature of the product um i mean i imagine the ideal scenario is that you have there is an engineering team it grows and you know with the company um i think there are situations where uh it makes sense to outsource it it makes sense to have it not be embedded within the company especially if even for a tech company if the the technical challenges aren't uh critical um to the overall product right um there are some tech companies where the go to market strategy or um some aspect about the product is the pillar and it's not these are very hard technical challenges or we need a um world class standout user experience you know and in those situations i think um you can get away with uh building it a little bit later um you know that hasn't uh, you know as an engineer that hasn't been my experience i it's sort of in the boat you described where um I have, uh, you know, I'm a, a founder now. I've been on uh, many, many founding teams. Um, mm-hmm. And I actually have uh, done something a little bit interesting, which is I've joined um, non-technical founders uh, a couple mm-hmm. years in. Um, I've been sort of the first five or six people in a company uh, many, many times. I think I've done that like five times. Um, mm-hmm. And those are companies that, you know, sometimes they've had their technical debt and were transitioning to, um now that the company knows what they're building or is near product market fit it's sort of like the let's build it for real phase i think mm-hmm. that's a time I, i think that's a fine path for for companies and uh you, i think you've you know like you said you've you've been like a founding employee at you know so many startups so let's dive into that a little bit because i think that's very interesting for our listeners as well who are like you know figuring out their first roles whether it can be like a first job or you know i'm in that path right now should i join like very early or should i join an established startup so what is something that you looked for when you joined in these early stage you know startups as founding member and what is like the two things one is what is the reward that you've got you know i i, I kind of do know the answer for it mm-hmm. at the same time what is like the the downside for it like the upsides and the downsides yeah so one of the things i look for um that's maybe a little bit non-traditional is chemistry with the the founders um you know you're going to spend so much time with 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 those people and um i think the relationship between co-founders there's a lot that's talked about how important that is um it's i think it's probably equally true with your founding team or at least very you know very it's a very close second um so i want to make sure i gel with those people I want to make sure there's room for me um and where I want to grow. Those are some of the things that I look for. Um uh you know, what are the upsides and what are the downsides of being uh, on a founding team? I mean, impact is of course one of the upsides. And for me, it's really important to wear many hats. I like when the mm. job is different each day. Um and I like when uh, I'm uh in the critical path for lots of different aspects of the company and you get that as um uh, you know you get that as founder you get that as being on a founding team um the downsides um it's interesting uh because i think i'm the kind of you know founding team member that treats it like my life you know it's it, it, i'm as committed and dedicated to the thing I'm working on I think is anyone else in the company um and it can be hard to be in that situation and there is a difference between a founder and a founding team member um there is a in some ways it's like the commitment that the company has to you is a little bit different um there are co-founder breakups but it's I think less common for an established company to have co-founder breakups than it is to have people in that founding team cycle through Um so you want to make sure it's the right fit and you're going to put everything into it so you want to make sure the company is going to be somewhat loyal to you as well. Um that can be a downside uh is that your um your position is a little bit more um tumultuous uh than it, it might be if you were a founder. Um mm. 
but I think for anyone in that early team, um, you know, you, you have to be able to collaborate. You have to be able to, um, uh, you're not going to make every decision regardless of what your, you know, position is. And so that, it, that feels very similar. Um, I, I love it. I love being really early stage. Um, mm. You get to build, you get to wear different hats. Um, and <laughs> I, I think, you know, the other, I guess, downside I would say is that early stage companies are, are chaotic. They just are. I think it's for people who embrace chaos and uncertainty. <laughs> and so I, I, I've heard this. I, I was talking to a founder and uh, kind of like similar topic I was discussing with him. And he said, I look for founders who want to join us founding, you know, part of the founding team. It's like mostly they're like, like probably like one, two steps away from becoming a founder uh, because yeah. they, it's literally like the founding team is everything, you know, that they mm -hmm. do as founders, right? So mm -hmm. that's probably like, you know, uh, an upside, which is you'll eventually kind of learn to be a founder in being part of the, the chaos. Yeah, I probably have a different perspective on that than, than most people who are early uh, to companies and who want to be founders. Um, I, that was, being a founder was never important to me, honestly. Um, and I've actually, oh, interesting. yeah, it wasn't an anti-goal, but it just wasn't a goal of mine. Like there are so many interesting things right. to work on. Um, you know, there's so many interesting people to work with. I have, uh, you know, I, I, I've been fortunate enough to work on some really cool stuff. It was never yeah. like, oh, this, I didn't start this. Um, so I, I did right. become a, a founder more recently, but that was, you know, this is probably something like my seventh startup where I, in all the ones previously, I, I wasn't a founder. Um, so I don't know. Um, we had a lot of discussions like this at Superhuman in past companies where it's like, okay, we're going to bring someone in. We want to make sure they have that founder mentality. Um, mm. I think people can be motivated in many different ways. Um, I've been all in, but I don't know that I would say that's because I aspired to be a founder. Um, mm. I do think you're right that seeing an early stage company is some preparation for starting a company of course right mm -hmm. it's like i mean i'm a sports fan so it's kind of like seeing the ball go through the basket right but yes. i i actually think seeing a large company my experience at apple um set me up for success in a similar way right because that's mm -hmm. truly like you're a part of a machine a company that knows how to build successful products that knows how to get it right so yeah, I would say working at a startup, to use our sports analogy, being on a founding team is like shooting the ball and working mm -hmm. at Apple or a big company is like seeing the ball go through the basket. And those two to com combined, I think, is a really good experience mm -hmm. to, to start something. Do you think uh, wannabe founders or operators, let's talk about operators, do you mm -hmm. think they should have those two lens, which is what you described, a lens where they actually shoot a lot of shots <laughs> continuously, you know, being an early stage. And the other lens is like probably like, you know, probably someone like Steph Curry, who's already hit so many shots and now he's he mastered at putting the ball through the basket. Like, you know, so do you think it's it's a requirement or is it like what, what's your take on having those two lens uh, part of being an operator or even like want to be founder? I don't. I won't, I won't say it's a requirement. I think it is very helpful for that to be within, that, that exists in a company, right? You want to have a kind of the DNA on both sides. Um, you know, I, I think it's a, a healthy balance. Like if you can, it, of course, an amazing candidate for a role to a startup is somebody who has been at a startup, you know, many, many times before. If that person has also worked at a really established company that actually <laughs> you sort of like knows what they're doing, I think that's a benefit. And certainly you want to make sure someone in the company has done that, right? Um, I, yeah. I think it, companies are probably going to be more successful at some point if you start mm -hmm. to bring in sort of people who've experienced before and seen and can, can pattern match with, with, um, with an established company. I think pattern, pattern recognition is, I think, the key skill that you develop once you you know, work for an established company because everything is like kind of like signals. You pick a signal at an early stage. It's all about experiments without picking up signals. The signal signaling uh, tracking comes later. Mm -hmm. uh, let's. I, I really want to talk about Apple. Like, mm -hmm. of course, you know, you you. That's. I think that's your first job, if I'm not wrong. Mm -hmm. And you worked at uh, 
So the first curious question I have is, is it really true that Apple at that size operates even as a startup? Like it's famously Steve Jobs said in one of the, I think, DX uh, for keynotes or whatever it is. He says that Apple is like a, like a bunch of mini startups working together on one mission, right? So is that, is that true? At what length is it true? And what, what's, what was your experience like working at Apple? Yeah. Um, I think that is very much true. So it, it certainly mm. operates like a bunch of companies. Um, and the team I was on honestly still feels like the most startup-like experience I've ever experienced. Um, wow. We, you know, uh, in, there are both positives and negatives to that. But we were entering, so I worked on Apple TV, and we were um, entering a new market. Um, you know, when I started, Apple TV didn't even exist. Like they, I remember when they, just to put context around like what era this was, um, when I joined Apple, their most popular product was the, was the iPod. And it was a mm. product, I'd only touched like two iPods in my life when I started. Like it just wasn't, you know, <laughs> uh, right. it was a very different world than, than the world now. Apple was a tech company. And I think it certainly transitioned at some point in that era to being sort of the tech company. Um, mm. But yeah, so when I started, they described this product, Apple TV, and I was like, what? Does it have a, I, I didn't get it. I was like, does it have a DVD player? You know, it just was a good, <laughs> you know, it was a completely different, different world. Um, right. But entering that new market, uh, the, we were in like perpetual crunch mode. Like I worked more there than I have in any startup um, I've ever worked at. And that, like I said, that was in some ways like the negative side of it because um, mm. it was, it was, it was extreme, I would say, for, for some of those mm-hmm. years. Um, but we, the, uh, Apple sort of operated in that era, and I think it can be different on different teams. There were very established teams at Apple that I, I'm sure were not operating like a startup um, that were larger, all those kinds of things. Um, my team was between five and 10 engineers for the five and a half years that I was there. It was really small. Um, wow, that's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and that's it. And and at that time, I think, it, again, this has changed somewhat. Like, I left Apple in 2011, so uh, uh, it, it's been a while. But yeah. um, at the time, um, t- Apple had very small teams. Um, and even even some of the more established teams were small, but it was especially true for the emerging teams. Um, but one of the things that was it, it's still fascinating to me about how Apple operated is it sort of felt like, at every level of leadership, even, you know, individuals who are sort of leading themselves, it it was like the company, every level was building for one person. It's like, um, you know, I was sort of building for me and, 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 and sort of my director was like sort of almost like a dictator of, 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 of you know, his own kind of world. It was this a very bizarre uh, structure. Uh, but it meant that you operated like you only needed to uh, have like a very straight shot in terms of um, direction. Um, we were like a very sharp pointed arrow um, mm. because sort of everyone was making decisions um, almost as it's, it seems weird, but almost as an individual as opposed to with a whole structure behind it. And in some ways, that's reminds me a lot of when you're at a startup, right? It's like you do what needs to be done and you are an owner. Everyone is an owner at every level of leadership, even, you know, people who are said leading themselves. Um, yeah, I, I, I often say that uh, my time at Apple was um, my, my most uh, quintessential startup experience. And uh, it's so interesting what you said about uh, being very small. Mm-hmm. Even even it's such a big project, right? Apple TV is one of the key revenue streams right now. Of course, it's not like uh, it it take it took some time to like people to adapt to it. But it is fascinating to you know hear that five to ten engineers over the five years of time you built such a big ecosystem together. So I think there is a there is a there is a lesson there probably like you know founders can even i'm learning it to make it small and concise so you have like you said like unidirection like going one direction rigorously you know recklessly like you know focused mm-hmm. uh what are what are the what are the um, i have to ask about a couple of questions for sure, sure. Now, i think around 2011 steve was there uh you know on and off 
what would it, what was it like part of under his leadership like what is something that you know did he really backed it like to a level that you know to you versus like you know was he interacting with only uh, key stakeholders what was it like you know being his aura around apple campus yeah um so he uh when i left in 2011 it was shortly after he passed away actually um and uh but well so he was there for a lot of my time and i worked in um i actually worked in the the building work that they they had this campus back then called infinite loop uh, which yep. was like these six buildings in a circle and i worked in IL one um and he mm-hmm. worked in IL one he worked the floor above me so you saw him around quite a bit actually wow. uh, just in general like anyone in that building would see him you know he would be in you know at lunch in the cafeteria and we would always joke it's like please don't wait in this line like go go ahead of us right like, like i don't think your time is is, is is well served waiting behind me in this line um but uh and he was kind of funny he would always sort of walk around like looking once the iphone came out he would like just be looking at his phone like walking around the campus like literally like glued eyes glued to his phone um but yeah so he was around um apple tv was you know i think I think he said at some point that it was sort of like a um, a pet project or something like that. And in the in the, I remember there was quite a bit of press around that. And even some of the team felt had sort of a negative sentiment, feel, feeling like we're on this kind of pet project. But I was kind of like, if you're on Steve Jobs' pet project, I'm okay with that, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> so, like, um, uh, so he had a lot of influence. There were, you know, there was some 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 parts of the product that. Uh, he sketched on, on like a napkin, like uh, we had this sort of like trailers. Um, we had an app actually part of Apple TV back then called the, like, it was like the trailers app and like the actual UI, he sort of like drew on a napkin <laughs> at some point. Um, we had a, you know, we had a, a little demo room where we was sort of like soundproofed. So just for context, also uh, flat screen TVs were like brand new. Um, like it was the era of like plasma TVs. And so it wasn't common for people to have a home setup, like home theater setups like they are today. Um, uh, so we had one that we could sort of, you know, experience Apple TV and, and, and at Apple. Um, and, you know, he would sort of be in there di- at different times. I didn't interact with him a, a lot, but he was around, you know, he would come to the floor. People would demo things for him, um, uh, that kind of thing. Wow. He, he looks like you're you're like inches away, you know, mm-hmm. to, <laughs> to work with someone and to create like an impact. You know, you're part of the legacy, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and that was fascinating. I think looking back, like you said, it's like what twelve, you know, thirteen years now. Uh, yeah, it is probably like one of your most, like you said, in your words, like you know, most proudest moment. I would say is to basically go back. <laughs> It's fine to like be on a on a pet project of Steve Jobs, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. What was it like? What was it like, you know, looking back, if you were to like do a quick ret- retrospect, is to create like, you know, you you have I think Apple TV is one of my favorite products because it's so intuitive that I'm not going back to using any of the native, you know, TV OSS, right? It's so intuitive, so I can operate it through my phone. So you have left your thumbprints, fingerprints on on things that I use. I'm interacting with you for the first time. So the impact is so true. Mm-hmm. What was it like? What was it like? What was the the mindset after, even like before? Like what was like what was it like working, you know, on something that's truly like stayed forever yeah i mean we didn't know at the time right and like you mentioned earlier um apple tv sort of took some time to really land in the market it was interesting because right when it came out it had some of the highest user satisfaction of any product apple had ever released but Mm. it didn't have the traction or the buzz around it um as I, i think apple tv was announced in the same uh like whatever, I don't know if it was WWDC or I forget whatever, but they used to have these kind of main press um, uh, releases. And I think it was announced and the phone, the iPhone was like the one more thing in that announcement. Um, So it sort of was always overshadowed by, by, by the phone. Um, Mm. So in it, you know, we didn't know exactly what the business was going to look like. Um, Mm. You know, the first, 
a lot of people forget the first version of Apple TV was not, it's not like the little black puck like device. It was actually gray and it had a hard drive. Uh, it didn't stream and it had component uh, cable hookups. Like that's how you hooked it up to the TV. It was like basically like an iPod kind of UI. Um, mm-hmm. There was at the time the Apple TV first version came out, um, there was no movie or TV store. Like Apple didn't didn't do movies, didn't do TV. So the content right. was had to come from, you know, it was like your own ripped DVDs or like things. It just right. was a very different era. So now I can sort of say, um, and, and I saw some of this uh, when I was there too. Um, you know, I can look at it and be like, oh, it's really cool to have worked on this thing that impacted so many people. But I didn't know that that was going to be the, the case. Uh, I remember the first time uh, I walked into uh, an Apple store and saw an Apple TV and like, you know, people were using it. It was such a c- cool experience. You've got the, the Apple TV, the, or sorry, that Apple workers come over and they're like, hey, can I help you? And you're like, I got it. <laughs> I would have done this one. <laughs> I've been did. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, which is pretty fun though. And uh, is it true that uh, like at Apple, generally it's like they think, plan, strategize five ten years ahead of time is that true like you know even for apple tv like okay we started somewhere you know with with the hard drive and everything but do you do you you saw the vision like you know or people around it building it hey this is just how we enter but i think that's something that's fascinating about apple right they just let other people enter to the market so fast and they Mm -hmm. observe 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 and they just mm-hmm. launch something ridiculously good. Even the Vision Pro is like people are going mm-hmm. bonkers about it, right? <laughs> right, right. You know, I, I am I'm at a f- terrible FOMO right now. Is you have to like get it <laughs> yeah. or no? So no, is that I mean, true? And to to what extent is that like something that you know that's true? And what you what what's something that you learn from it? Yeah, I I, I imagine there are some people in the company who are who are executing on a strategy it didn't feel like that and i'm honestly not sure i think um companies like apple are in a position where they can take a lot of shots um they can take try a lot of different things right like apple had a lot of products um that weren't successful like i could you know you remember the the little like boom box like that the Mm -hmm, hi-fi you know or the 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 round the mouse that was like a a puck Mm -hmm. it it was literally Mm -hmm. just a circle so you couldn't tell which way it was up um you know uh for you don't know when you're working on it whether it's going to be you know whether i we didn't know if apple tv was going to be the the hi-fi or if it was going to be you know Mm. i'd say the iphone but the iphone hadn't even come out yet um Mm. so you you don't know when you're in that era um i imagine like i said there are some people but i think it's more the position of the company that lets them try it and and move forward with it. Like Apple TV has been on a, you know, it's been a decade of, of, of iteration. Mm-hmm. Uh, the product right. itself hasn't changed that much, but its mm-hmm. position in the market, its position in, in our households has changed. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if someone knew that was going to happen. I think people thought there's a chance, but they can, they can afford to get that wrong. Um, and, and they do, uh, you know, I, I think that. I remember the, uh, you know, we, I remember some of the things we used to sort of talk about back then, uh, Google had, a, I think it was called Google TV, but it had this like uh, this this remote that had like a full keyboard on it, and it was just completely <laughs> bizarre. You know, this was the era of the the Zune, right? Like Microsoft's mm. like iPod. There are all these products these companies tried, and those mm. didn't necessarily stick. Apple got a few that stuck, but they got plenty that didn't stick. Mm. I think one uh, after like listening to you, it reassures what Steve said so many times is that. We're a you know we're a company where we build products for ourselves and our friends, mm-hmm. yeah. And where we can share and be proud of saying that hey we built this, you might like it, right? Like mm-hmm. I think that is like the core essence of what you said. Absolutely, it's like try mm-hmm. try try different things, and you know, I think the product is not the point. The positioning is to the product in the market is like the point, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I love it so much. Uh, appreciate you for sharing like you know some of the inside stories uh yeah, yeah. and let's talk about like superhuman you know you again early 2014 is when it got founded you were you were i think around 2016 you know mm-hmm. so why why superhuman why did you enter like you know such a early after like working at apple what mm-hmm. was it you know you did some a bunch of things in between as well but i'm just 
curious about understanding why did you kind of uh didn't go back to build your own thing which is what you're doing now instead mm-hmm. of you were like you were a technical architect you were again like a software engineer you know mm-hmm. uh you were the head of technology and like you did so many other things so i'm just curious about the big corporation to going into like a startup like is that like because of the burnout the the number of hours you put in um i left apple because uh i looked around and apple was one of those places where a lot of people had spent their entire career there and um and or or had returned many many times and i was sort of looking around the pace i was learning um had declined like i wasn't learning at the same rate that i once was and i kind of i was like if i want to leave now because i think you can get to a, a point where it's very difficult to leave a company if it's all you know um mm. so that's that's kind of what 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 made me start looking around i didn't know anything about startups i mean it sounds funny to say this now but like i didn't even know what a startup was or like i just had no exposure to it um when i actually it's when i um when i was an intern when i was in college like the summer after my sophomore year i interned at microsoft and i worked on the word team and mm. i thought i wanted to find the opposite experience which is sort of what led me to <laughs> apple in my mind the opposite of microsoft was apple right like i mean of, of course not. <laughs> they obviously have a lot more in common than many many other companies um, right. yeah i sort of entered that startup world and i just got hooked and a lot of the reason i got hooked was my first team mm. uh, we just had great chemistry um still to this day a lot of the people i work with are my close friends it was a, a really great ride so I kind of got mm-hmm. lucky with these two very different um, early experiences. Then I bounced mm-hmm. around a little bit because um, I'd never learned how to vet. I didn't know how to vet a company because I got mm-hmm. went to Apple and then I went to another startup. Uh, I went to a startup for several years, which was great. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was bouncing around a little bit, trying to find a place to land and figure out what I wanted to do. And I was kind of at the tail end of that exploration process when I heard uh, about Superhuman. And met with with the the founding team. I think when I joined the company, it was like seven or eight people or something like that. So it was, it was very small. Um, mm. And I liked a lot. I liked that the vision was huge. Like it was just an absolutely massive vision. Um, right. I was at a point in my career where I knew I wanted to be a driver. I didn't want to be a passenger on that ride. And mm. I thought that there was like really good role alignment. Um, uh, you know, I. just really gelled with the team and and i actually when i joined i was the uh the the head of i think it was the head of mobile initially and eventually Mm -hmm. became engineering um yeah there's a lot of space for me at the company i know if you'd been like a year earlier hey do you want to work on email i've been like what (laughs) email uh because i'd only done consumer uh consumerish kinds of things um and that's kind of where my heart was but i liked that they were taking a consumer approach to email Mm -hmm. i used to always say it was kind of like if if Apple built mail, this is what you would expect. Mm-hmm. I mean, of course, Apple does have mail, but this right, is kind right. of what you'd expect. Um, so yeah, right. that that kind of led me uh, to Supreme. And uh, it, like I said, it's like it's it's a movement. I would say Superhuman literally like showed uh, how a startup should grow. You know, mm-hmm. with their I think I don't know if they patented it, but I think they should done it. Like you know, the the waitlist concept mm-hmm. is ridiculously phenomenal right like mm-hmm. you you only invite few people like you know you you share and you get more access you get like you know the number changes your role <laughs> so that is so like gamified the whole system yeah uh, you being part of the team in those early days what was it like to kind of like again diff- changing different different hats right you mm-hmm. I, i'm sure that you wouldn't just like do 9 to 5 you would have done many things Mm-hmm. What are some external things that you did that actually helped you become, you know, who you are right now as a as a, as an engineering, you know, product person? I want to also talk about the product side, yeah. but let's mm-hmm. let's kind of sure. like you know unpack the engineering side. Yeah, um, yeah, superhuman. It, it's you talked about, uh, you know, sort of the pride uh, that I'm sure you're picking up on from my Apple days. Um, I definitely am proud of that experience, and it's really cool to have worked on something that's been impactful and. I, I said that I'm, I feel very fortunate to have been in some of these roles because I think Superhuman uh, also had a lot of impact on how startups execute. There's a lot of things mm-hmm. that we did. I, I see product launches. I see, you know, of course, the wait list, um, you know, the way that companies uh, approach finding product market fit, um, some of these different techniques that we 
that we executed there, I see those having shifted the landscape of startups, which I think is very cool. Um, yeah, I did get to wear a lot of hats. Uh, I think one of the things that's been helpful for me um, kind of since, you know, post-Superhuman has been um, I was involved uh, in hiring a lot of the early company. Um, so mm. whether it was creating hiring plans, whether it was, you know, actually sourcing candidates, interviewing, um, I think I interviewed probably the, the, you know, if you look at the next 50 people after me, I think I interviewed almost every person, if not everyone. Um, and was like a, a you know major part of bringing them on the team and that in, in every role, which I think has been really interesting now that I've transitioned to, to being a founder, because, mm. you know, a lot of building the team is, of course, there's a lot of engineering, but there's a lot of other roles. And it helped me going off and researching what, what skills do we think would be successful for this particular role? What are we looking for? What do we need this person to do when we had something we needed in the company? Um, actually showed me quite a lot about how companies function and like the different roles and the different the types of people that you need to bring in. Uh, so I think that's been really helpful. Um, and then on the engineering side, um, you know, lots, lots of learnings. Um, you know, one of the things that I think carried over from my Apple days was our team was really small. Um, we probably were too small for too long. Um, <laughs> but I, I think, uh, I think small teams can accomplish quite a lot and you don't have the, the overhead of, uh, you don't have the, the overhead in terms of communication costs and a lot of the things that management costs that you have for um, bigger teams, you have it, but to a lesser extent. So um, mm. that was one of the, sort of the lessons that kind of carried through and um, and I think was helpful for that early. We had a very senior, very small team with a mm. pretty large surface area. Email is actually a really hard technical problem. Uh, so yeah, of course. Uh, yeah. <laughs> So I'm I'm fortunate as well to kind of experience that side when I was at you know Product Hunt, which is mm -hmm. so lean for such a big platform. Mm -hmm. uh, I I kind of experienced why you know certain founders think lean teams are really you know the right way to you know right path to put success for right. Mm -hmm. I think there is there is a there is a level of trust and there is a level of focus that lean teams bring into. And there is less distraction if you think about it. It's more about we need this, let's get it done, right? You know mm -hmm. that jobs to be done mindset is really, really I think something I've if I were to build a startup for sure, it's, it's definitely going to be lean, you know, regardless of the stage, money, and all that. Mm -hmm. So you've briefly touched about hiring. Uh, mm -hmm. I wanna I wanna understand what are the what are the things that founders should learn, you know, especially early stage. Uh, they don't have recruitment teams or they don't have, you know, bigger, bigger uh, teams be involved. What are the things that they should learn from your, your experience that you want to like pass it on? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think interviewing and hiring, you know, we talk a lot about hiring in startups, but I think we don't talk very much about interviewing and how mm. important that actually is to company building. Um, it's a skill that I think, uh, I mean, I think, you know, Founders, of course, there's a lot they have to do. Um, there's a lot they have to do well. You can't be great at everything. You can't necessarily be good at everything. But that's one I think that surprisingly there's not a lot of emphasis on. Like, how do you mm. figure out what skills you need? How do you uh, create a process to select those skills and evaluate those skills and candidates? And then how do you iterate that process as you you know have kind of people moving through the company? Um, so I think that's a skill we should actually flex a bit more than we do um in in startups um and i think there's a lot of you know there are materials out there in terms of how do you get better at at, at at interviewing it's just there isn't an emphasis on it you know there's a lot of talk about hiring but how do you hire if you don't interview right um so that's that's definitely something i think quite a lot about um i think it's important for uh the early team to be pretty involved on the hiring side um and to be careful and, and sort of craft that team. Um, I also think uh, setting values early on and using that as part of the criteria for how, they don't necessarily have to, it doesn't have to be a formal process, but being intentional about it is important, I think, to um, then be able to select for the, those values. And if you don't do that, I think one of the things that can come through is, um, sort of you end up with these accidental values, things that uh, the company is sort of um, either either intrinsic to the people at the company or the company's accidentally selecting for in its existing um, 
hires. And so I think that's something that's really worth being intentional about. Um, and crafting that early team is, is unbelievably important. Uh, yeah, it's tough though. I mean, you know, you've got to sort of lean on network. And if you don't have network, I think you have to lean on, you have to sort of find recruiters or other ways of sourcing. I spend, I spend a lot of my career sourcing or, you know, looking at resumes and, and that kind of thing to build these early teams. Mm. And uh, do you have a particular hiring strategy that worked for you that you want to share? Like, you know, let's get into like tactical stuff, right? Mm -hmm. Where do you start? Uh, what is like the process like zero to one? And how do you close it? Like, is there a proper, uh, I, I would love to know about the, the interview tips as well. Like what, what exactly, mm -hmm. like what kind of questions do you ask to, you know, kind of understand other people, the candidates? So do you want to share something that you did at even like you want to understand about, you know, how to establish like an engineering team from that mm -hmm. hiring strategy as well as generally like founders, what can they learn uh, from that uh, process? Yeah, I think one of the components on the tactical side that's important is research, right? Like anything that you want to hire for, any skill that you need, someone has done that before, right? So actually going and looking at interview plans, reading them, trying to make sure you have like a, a full process. Um, before you start hiring and the process that you're going to iterate, I think is very important. Um, there's, there's lots of good resources out there. And it, it's not even important that you pick the best one. It's sort of, you know, getting that overview and picking and choosing different elements from different processes to create your own and craft your own, I think is, is quite important. Um, you know, I think the other thing is, is really thinking about what's important to the particular needs of the company. So I mentioned um, at Superhuman, we had a pretty senior team. I think that was critical because it was there were lots of very hard technical challenges um, that let us be lean, that let us kind of operate with a, with, with a smaller team. And then we needed to, at some point, we wanted to transition that because I, I think having a, like diversity in a lot of different ways is, is incredibly important to the team as well, including the sort of energy that you get with, with in many times that you get with youth, right? Um, or people who are at least earlier in their journey. So being able to create a support layer so was something that we wanted to establish before we then brought on um, really scaled in terms of people who were earlier in their journey. Um, and, and again, I think it's less important exactly what approach you take and more important that it's an intentional approach and you're thinking through, okay, here's what I need. I've done this research to see how other people select for these skills. I'm now trying a process. We've made this hire. It is, it worked or it didn't work. And I've, now I've, I've created a loop to integrate that into any you know output back into the process. Mm, interesting. And any interview uh, like specific tips that you want to share? Like what kind of questions that that uh, that people generally miss when they actually want to interview people, uh, or any things that you want to mention about? Hey, these things are so obvious, but they just miss it for whatever hmm. reason. What do people miss when they're interviewing? Hmm. Um, I think one of the things people miss is. So interviews are, you know, it's, it's an hour, it's, you know, a couple hours. It is both, first of all, it's, it's a two-way interview. Uh, I think a lot of the times um, we, we treat it like the only, you know, person interviewing is, is the candidate. But in reality, the, the, they should also be evaluating uh, the company. Mm -hmm. So that's something I look forward to. If the person doesn't have any mm -hmm. questions, if they don't, if they're not really trying to understand it's not that they won't be successful, but it's completely random whether or not they are successful then, right? right? And so I want to make sure and push whoever I'm uh, interviewing to make sure that they are treating it like a two-way interview. Uh, that's mm. just going to help with, with kind of get to the best fit. Yeah. Uh, but the other thing I would say is you've got this, uh, you know, a couple hours that you need to put your best foot forward. If you aren't putting your best foot forward in those couple hours, I, I don't optimize for false negatives. I don't optimize for saying no when I should have said yes. Like, I just, mm -hmm. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with this didn't work, we, you know, for whatever reason, um, you know, whether it's we've set, set forth our criteria and, and the person uh, you know, didn't meet it in certain ways or uh, it didn't go well, you know, all of those things. I'm okay just, you know, putting my that time into mm. a different candidate. Mm, interesting. I like that. I think, uh, they have to put skin in the game is what you're saying in a way mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. it's not like one way where you sit you hear these questions and you answer it's like you know kind of like a conversation i like that a lot mm -hmm. uh so what advice would you give for someone you know who's kind of transitioning from big corporations to startups like 
what are hmm. the what are the things that they look for they probably like you know in in your case you move from kind of apple to superhuman right mm-hmm. through through many right. years but uh, mm-hmm. what do you, what what what's what what advice would you give um i'm not sure this is advice but at least one of the things that really shocked me um so at apple we don't use any we didn't use any existing software like i had you know this is the era of stack overflow but i didn't even really know what that was because you have access to the other people who've built the software you're depending on you can call mm-hmm. them uh, so i was like absolutely shocked to be when i left the company i was sort of like everything was black box about all the tools i was using you know instead of calling mm-hmm. the person who wrote the software i had to like go look up like how do you do that how do you you know i look on stack overflow mm-hmm. and find people who didn't actually know the inner workings that were trying to answer these questions that was something that was actually one of the more <laughs> more interesting transitions um that that i that i need to make um but in terms of what advice i would say uh i sort of stumbled through a lot of things and i think i i ended up finding my way but um you know take some time to explore and mm. find things you are interested in using and and actually touching and and working with and then uh talk to those companies and when you're mm. with a big company there's often this like very you know established uh can point of connection if you want to get a job. Um I'm a huge fan of I find a product I like and then I just email the people who work on it and I'm like, "Hey, I want to work on this." <laughs> like and then kind of go from there and see um so I, I think there's no closed door I would say also when it's the startup world. It may not lead to a job, but it might. Mm, yeah, you should shoot your shot, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, now that you're you're, you're you know I think you are part of you're not part of superhuman you know but I think last 2 years 3 years mm-hmm. I'm excited to learn what you're working on next what's next for Imuye what's what's going on in your life Yeah um so I started a company it's always hard to say when because <laughs> it's kind of tinkering around with some things and and that sort of turned into um into a, a company but we're super small um you know the the origin story is really um I was exploring what I wanted to do next talking with a lot of different companies and I was mostly looking for VP eng or head of product kinds of roles and almost every company I talked to had the same set of problems the reason they were you know hiring for that role uh, is mm. because they were having trouble um prioritizing aligning on the priorities and communicating around the the mm. priorities on their product teams and so yeah well, we're uh you know working on a, we're calling it Udo and we're trying to solve that problem and we want to make it easier for product teams to make better data decision data driven decisions faster um mm. yeah so it's it's early days but and we're kind of cranking away uh building but uh, it's been a lot of fun excited uh we haven't touched your product side of expertise uh so i think every builder has some side of product knowledge or product intuition right whether uh even like take steve jobs he's a builder mm-hmm. it doesn't matter if he write the code or not he knows how a product works right so in your case you actually build things like you're mm-hmm. a developer you're like a technical person so how much of you uh, of your experience helped you become develop that you know skill as a product person or a product leader yeah it's actually something i was interested in in even before i think i'm a builder because i love products right that was the that happens to be sort of my tool my hammer to actually get things i'm interested in into the world um but it's mm-hmm. actually the user experience like how people interact with technology that's the thing i was interested in before I ever even you know kind of went down the the cs and eventually engineering path um mm. and that got cultivated i think at apple where uh, there weren't any product managers um so that engineering team like i mentioned there you know were 5 to 10 people we had one designer and then their product decisions were sort of made at every level of leadership there kind of there was no real process like uh and that meant there was a lot of filling in the gaps on the engineering team and since it was something i was already super interested in um you know i spent a lot of time thinking about how people were going to interact with product um mm. and that, then you know after that i sort of continued to foster you know that that sort of level of thinking at, at different jobs i i think i think you can be one or the other and i think you can be both i think you're right that um most of the time you know the builders we think about 
some part of why they're building or what's interesting to them is actually the, the end goal as opposed to the, the tools and technologies themselves. Uh, but I've, right. I've seen great engineers who, you know, they're in it for the technology. They, you know, they, the, the sort of the, the process of building the thing is more important than the end goal. Um, mm. Yeah, uh, I, I, that happens to not be the case for me, though. Yeah, uh, I, I know we're on time, so I'd love to, like, you know, close it off on one question, which is how do the phases of a startup from early stage to subsequent growth stages impact decision making in leadership roles like in this case you are you had like engineering role uh, leadership so what is kind of that do do that is that like really a thing where as you grow you make decisions in a different way versus you know early stage i think you absolutely should um i i, I think the, the the lesson i've learned here is um we we get so attached to these things like they're they become our babies like they become the thing mm. we're very passionate about and i think it's important to really think about um is it, it when that starts to get in the way right um so i think one of the things we should fold into our decision making as the company scales the company grows it has different needs uh we mm. talked about pattern recognition there's going to be a lot of things a lot of patterns that we can't recognize because we're you know individuals so making sure to surround yourself with people who have seen that stage, have done that thing, um, and whether it's you know as an advisor, as as an employee to the to the company, but but being okay, uh, you know we go from you make every decision at a really early stage company, and at some point that actually gets in the way of the company, mm. and making sure that you're not trying to make those decisions because it's your baby, but mm. because you and, and making sure you have the right set of people. Um, the most right. knowledgeable set of people around it. I think that's a really right. important um, lesson that I've sort of you know learned throughout my career. Mm, I love that, Emuye. Thank you so much. Uh, this has been like you know uh, so knowledgeable. I think I've learned a lot about uh, hiring and setting up interviews, like you know that whole process. And I really, really appreciate you for sharing some of the uh, some of the experiences or memories from Apple, which is which is which are always like you know good to hear. Uh, such a you know amazing company making uh, a lot of impact on our lives uh, any closing thoughts before we wrap up well i just wanted to say i appreciate you uh, having me on it's been a great chat uh, it's been fun reminiscing about uh, some of these past experiences yeah so thank you so much awesome that, that yeah uh, you know hopefully like listeners you learn one or two things uh, and we do this for for that like basically like enhance your either like put a plant in your you know in your mind about whatever it is in this case you know, how to hire how to hire scale engineering teams uh, in the right way uh Muye, thank you so much appreciate you and that's a wrap folks see you all in the next episode Cheers. thank you